You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Spoiled Yak with Saya, Anissa, and Barma. Hi, I'm Anissa. We're starting something new called The Spoiled Yak, which is a deep dive into particular shows where we are free to discuss every plot twist in detail. This time, Barma and I are joined by our friend Anya de Jager, who is a real author of mystery novels as well as a K-drama addict, and who dives into perfume and search www with us. This podcast is a project for the fandom by the fandom. So if you want to help us out, you can do it in a lot of ways. You can share our episodes, talk about the podcast to friends who love dramas, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your preference. All of that helps us grow. And if you want to help us keep our lights on, you can check out patreon.com slash dramas over flowers. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and Drama Beans, but you can also tweet at us at dramasoverflow or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode! Hi everyone, this is Anissa. This is Borma. And today we're being joined by our very special guest, and I'm going to let you say your full name, but her name is Anya. Anya, please introduce yourself. Oh, hello. Uh, I'm Anya, surname De Jager. I'm a writer of crime novels and a very big K-drama fan. And I'm delighted to be here on your podcast. And we're super delighted to have you. That's a huge honor and very exciting. So basically we're doing like, I guess you could call it a spoiler special, And we're going to be talking about Search WWW. Um, But first, we wanted to talk to Anya about perfume, because if you've been listening to our yaks, you know that um, I had a very visceral negative reaction to the first episode of that. But I've heard that it actually does get better. And Anya actually watched the whole thing. And um, so we thought it would be nice to ask about her thoughts about perfume first. So Anya, do you feel that um, it's still worth watching? even despite the, the rough start that the show had? I I think it definitely is. I thought, hmm, is it a perfect show? No. <laughs> but then, you know, most shows aren't perfect. But I think that the show was telling a really interesting story. And it actually used those first two episodes to set that up. And they're rough. I mean, they're, they're really tough to watch. And what you realize throughout the show is that they're not – depicting Min Jae-hee, the main character, as a woman who is grossly overweight, as she is shown in the first episodes. Mm -hmm. But you come to realize that this is actually her self-image. This is how she perceives herself after 10 years of emotional abuse by her dreadful husband. The fact that she is seen as an embarrassment by her daughter, she has just taken that on board and she now sees herself as that really terrible person as well. And throughout the drama, as she's getting more self-esteem, you will actually see that when she transitions from the skinnier version of herself into the larger version of herself, she becomes less and less large. So in the beginning, she's wearing this fat suit to make her look even bigger. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I mean, she looks she looks fantastic. She looks so beautiful, and the way they've styled her is just wonderful. And um, and so it is really about her self esteem. It's a it's like her journey from thinking that she is really unattractive and actually 
revolting. She sees herself, which is why she tries to commit suicide. To right. at the end, kind of accepting who she is. And, you know, she's never going to be a skinny person, but she feels really beautiful in her own skin. And and that's really the, the journey that she makes, which I thought was actually very interesting. Wow. Wow. And so... Also, when she becomes this skinnier version through the perfume, she actually becomes a younger version of herself. So it's kind of like a time skip drama. And she is basically allowed to fulfill these dreams that she always had, which was to be on a catwalk, which never happened because she got pregnant and she had a shotgun wedding to her horrible husband, um, who's been cheating on her because he really wants them to divorce and she doesn't. Um, So, yeah, so... It, it's actually, I thought, a very interesting story. And uh, Shin Sung Rock's character is this completely messed up individual. He has got like 50 phobias and 32 different food allergies. Um, <laughs> so he's a mess. And it's also about his journey because he, every time something bad happens to him, he just develops more allergies and he develops more phobias. And so he has become this complete recluse because of all this stuff going on and he's a fashion designer Mm -hmm. and so it's also his journey of getting better and getting rid of some of his phobias and because I listened to your podcast on the secret life of my secretary you will like this one so there is the point where he has finally gotten over his phobia for polka dots I mean it is it is (laughs) I was gonna say ridiculous but you know he's a fashion designer he's got phobia for polka dots and uh, but he's got he's gotten over this And his ex-girlfriend says to him, hey, what did you do? How come you no longer have this phobia? And he goes, oh, it's because of love. Love made me care about myself enough that I went and got professional help. And you think, oh, that is so nice. This is really good. It makes me feel all all warm and fuzzy that they do things like that. A drama that's promoting therapy. That is revolutionary. Right? So it's promoting therapy. It's promoting loving yourself for whatever problems you might have. And what I really loved was was the ending, which basically has Shin Song Rock and Ha Jae Suk together. That's the ending. I spoiled it. Sorry, people. And I mean, no, we're here with the spoilers. Like, spoilers are full on. So right? don't worry about that. Yeah. But lots of people hated that. And they were like, oh, he should have stayed with, you know, the Go On He version of her. You oh, know, he should have stayed with the, the skinny version. Really? Why didn't they have, like, perfume and he could have been with the young skinny woman instead <gasps> of... And I'm like, oh, no, no, that would have been so bad. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's the fat phobia on screen is for a reason, right? It's because people actually feel that way in real life, unfortunately. That's sad, yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair on some of the viewers, clearly the clearly Go On He has the bigger part and she is on the screen more. And people say, look, we've, we're used to oh, seeing those people together. And now that it changed, just feels like, that doesn't feel so good. But to me, the moment that, it became possible that those two would end up together. I just thought, oh, this is what I want. This is, you know, what I want to see on my screen because they look awesome together. They look like a really good couple at the end. I mean, I think that was one of the things that turned me off is that it seemed so clear from the beginning that like, from the way that it was filmed. And I mean, I I understand what you're saying about how, I mean, it is a clever way to show her own self-perception, but if that was true, I wish they had shown us 
in some way that it was her self-perception and not just reality. Otherwise you're, I mean, you're, there's no indication of that, right? Like there's no, I mean, there are ways to show that through the directing and the camera work. If, if the main character is seeing something different than everyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wish that they had shown that, but I honestly, like if I had known from the beginning that she was end game, like as the character and for the happy ending, I would have totally like sat through more, more of it for sure. (laughs) Even if I didn't finish it, like I definitely would have tried to try to watch it. You could, you could just watch the last three episodes or something. I might actually do that. Anya, do you think um, Haji Sook should have had more uh, screen time with uh, Shin Sang-rong? Yes. Shin Sang-rong so that, you know, the audience could accept them as a couple, like, more easily. Or that just she should have had more screen time. <laughs> Both. <laughs> I think she should have had more screen time. And I really wanted to see more scenes of them together. So a little bit about the setup is that basically Shin Sung-rok's character has got his first love, and this is clearly insane, but, you know, his first love who saved his life and he was eight years old and she was 10 and he's been wanting to find his first love again ever since. You know, insane, okay. but, you know, it's fine. And then... <laughs> And then <laughs> when basically Go on his character turns up, the reason why he takes her in is that she looks so much like his first love at that age, because basically the Haji Sok character is his first love. And Shocker. I know, right? <laughs> I had to figure that out, even though I only watched one episode, actually. It's a childhood connection, who would have thought? Um, But from the moment that he sees her and thinks, oh my God, this is the person that I actually want to be with, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the two of them together because that would have been great. And so I didn't see enough of that for my liking, but you know, that's, that's. I could have had I could have could have had an other two episodes of that because that's the moment where they are kind of because she is his living housekeeper and so that's the moment where she just does change and it's the Haji Suk's version that's living with him and I could have watched I could have watched four episodes of that and I didn't get four episodes but you know I still <laughs> I still liked what it did and it's got problems and like with some other dramas you think oh the lying's going on for too long because mm. he's like oh I'm cheating on my first love with this woman who looks just like her <laughs> oh my god <laughs> right? <How> ridiculous <laughs> I never said it was perfect. <laughs> hey, I, I like that on my drama list, one of the tags for this drama is clingy male lead. <laughs> okay, that's pretty great. <laughs> I'm slowly coming over to the idea of actually watching this. If I can open the fourth dimension and find some time, it's also an issue. But do you feel like um, it dealt with the... Because I was really disturbed by the way they were portraying Haji Suk and her weight and stuff. But I also was really put off by the way that they made Shin Sung-rok's character into, like, a really horrible person. And the implication was that, like, that's partly because of his disabilities. Did they ever address that or clarify that or, like, do better at that? Or was that just something that they were like, oh, just forget about that. He's better now. I don't think he ever becomes a less, well, a less complicated person. But what's really funny, what they do is they actually show how his horribleness 
in a way, works positively on Hajisuk's character. There is this, there is this really funny scene where Shinsen Rock and you know, the skinny version are in an elevator and there is a slightly chubby girl in the elevator as well. And the elevator gets really busy. And then the last, another girl steps in and then it starts to beep because, you know, too many people in the elevator. And everybody looks at at the chubby girl, you know, to say, look, you're chubby, get out of the elevator. And Shin Sung Rock's character just turns to to the girl who got in last and said, you're the one who got in last. You need to get out um, mm. because he's just rude to everybody. And and then later on, you see Hajisuk in the elevator in like the larger form. And the thing happens to her and she sees all these, all these people are coming into the elevator and then it starts to beep. And then they all look at her and she just turns around and says to the girl, you are the last person in. You need to get out. And the girl does, and she's like all smug about, oh, wow, I, I did that. You know, I spoke up for mm. myself. So in a way, they're using some of his horribleness as a trigger for her to learn to speak up for herself. So it's like one of those things where like he's horrible, but he's equally horrible to everyone kind of thing. Absolutely. Things. Absolutely. Okay. He is just, he is just not, he doesn't single anybody out for horribleness. <laughs> okay. So it's like the Huang Te Kiong uh, school of thinking. Okay. Uh, that's from your beautiful. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I love how poor I just said that as if like everyone knows who that is. <laughs> but he's like the best ever. How can people know? I mean, agreed. Know? Agreed. I, I definitely know who he is. You don't have to clarify, but. I know. I know who he is too. <laughs> but he definitely gets better as well. And I never thought I would say this, but it actually got a time skip that they use really well. You know, a time skip where you see people trying to change and trying to change the, the person that they are. And it's it's a satisfying time skip and a very necessary one. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that perhaps some people were salty with me for my extremely negative reaction. <laughs> so I hope that this helps. <laughs> and I'm always willing to admit that I was wrong and I don't. I'm always like... Usually I'm hesitant to judge anything before I've seen the whole thing. I think this was an exception just because I was so angry. But thank you so much for like telling us about this. Yeah. And the reason that I also mentioned it to Saya was that I just thought that maybe the people who had the strongest reaction to the opening episodes might also be the people who would like the ending most. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. And she looks so beautiful. And I just want her in a drama all by herself. <laughs> I love her so much. I think that was also like so offended on her behalf because I was like, please give this woman a leading role. Why is she always in these dramas where like she has to go undergo like full body surgery? And like she was in Birth of a Beauty. I don't I know. know if you watched that. And it was the same type of thing. And I was just like, ugh. But yes. And she always has parts where she has to have a stupid haircut or just look slightly weird. And in this... I mean, at the end, she just looks stunning. I, I loved it. And I felt very happy on her behalf. That's awesome. <laughs> so hopefully the next step is for her to actually be the heroine for the entire run of the show. Yeah. Yes. And I love how just generally in real life, how body positive she is. She just has a really positive outlook uh, towards the world, despite all the negative comments that she gets. I read an article sometime back where she was giving an interview. I think Sumpi published it, the translation anyway, where she was basically talking about how she doesn't have a prettier, younger self, a skinnier, younger self to go back to. but And that she's dealt with uh, negative comments all her life about her weight. And it's not like that she 
It's not like she wants to be overweight and has never tried to lose weight and that she doesn't understand how important it is to take care of her health, but she'll do it in her own time and other people don't have a, don't get to have a say in it. Which I just, I, I love her for how outspoken she is and she's just awesome overall. Yeah. Yes. Second, all of that 100%. So... Speaking so. of amazing women, should we move on ah. to search www? Yes. yes. Let's. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited that we had you on to talk about spoilers because we like we talked about it after the ending, but um, we were like holding ourselves back from spoiling anything. Now we can just fully, fully spoil. Yeah. It. But as as Anissa observed, we always hold ourselves back from spoiling the dramas we love, but dramas we hate, we spoil the heck out of them. <laughs> we have no appreciation for other people's tastes. Well, I sometimes I feel like the viewer needs to be warned about something and then I consider it to be a public service announcement. <laughs> for example, with I picked up a celebrity on the street. I mean, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> or or with um possessed but basically at the end every single character is dead everyone there is not a single character left alive and i think people should know that and not watch it (laughs) seriously or or just be prepared (laughs) i I remember watching people watch that like sort of via the internet and in the beginning everyone being like oh this is so good and then slowly for them to be like what is happening this is so bad oh my god why did I watch this I wasted (laughs) all my time I was like oh that's a train wreck I'm watching happen I I remember watching it and by you know episode 14 three quarters of the cast were dead and I thought did the writer not think about this because now there's no people left you know what's he gonna fill the extra episodes with and so he had to introduce some um to to the cast so so he could kill those as well i mean it was horrendous <laughs> it really oh was God. ridiculous um so so this is full-on spoiler territory we've already spoiled perfume for you and now we are moving on to spoiling search www so please don't be listening to this until you're finished watching the show all right done moving on now <laughs> so i mean we've already gushed about this a lot on the podcast so Anya could you give us like your general thoughts on the drama first I love it will that do (laughs) I thought I thought it was great Um, I loved the writing of it I loved the casting of it for the majority as well and I think it's one of those workplace dramas where I actually really enjoyed watching the work that they were doing and the workplace dilemmas felt very relevant as well as the conversations they had about relationships and as well as the, f- the female friendships, all of that together was just, was just great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Parama. I, I was just taken aback by how new this felt. We, we can analyze why it felt so new, but it's that, I didn't realize I needed this in my life so much. One of the reasons we gravitate towards Korean dramas is because of the strong uh, female uh, uh, character building that uh, writers here do. Maybe because most of them are female writers. We have a lot of really good female friendships on screen. That is not something that we are unfamiliar with in Dramaland. But it's... Not just the friendships, but positioning female relationships as the central thing and not just as friends or as rivals for the affection of the same man, which are the like 
two major dynamics that you have with females, either their friends or their rivals. The relationship between these women had nothing to do with men. Simply how 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 men were taken out of the of the relationship, like of of the of the central plot of the drama, was amazing to me because this is this is real life. We have. Um, relationships with women which have absolutely nothing to do with the men in our lives and that the stories of those don't get told enough and that does not diminish how good the romantic stories were in, in this drama they were great in their own way but just these three women holding positions of power where their decisions change the way search engines work these women and their story, I've, I've never seen this before. And I'm just so bummed that it's ended because I don't know when I'll get to see this again. Oh, no, I usually don't like multiple seasons, but give us a season two. I don't necessarily want a season two, but I want other dramas to look at yeah. why this one is so fresh. And to say, hey, let's tell these kind of stories because they are the ones that people like to watch. And they are the ones that make dramas feel feel new and different. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree about how, how um, it focuses on women's relationships. Because you do, you don't just have friends and rivals, but you have best friends and you have estranged friends and you have co-workers and you have like mentor-mentee relationships. You have that extremely very messed up relationship between Ga Kyung and her mother-in-law, which is, it's terrible, but it's like very fascinating and interesting to watch. It's And it's like the main, she's basically the main villain and she's an amazing villain, the mother-in-law. Yeah. And, and it's like such a meaty and like deliciously evil role that usually is given to a man <laughs> You know, like, we don't get those kind of villains usually. Like, it's it's very rare. You could probably count them on one hand, like, the famous female K-drama villains. I People loved- are still talking about Michelle, and that was, like, 15 years ago. <laughs> I, loved Maybe 10. Her as a, I loved her as a villain. She was just awesome. There was this one moment where she's, like, because she's painting... And then she just gets the tattoo gun out. And like, yeah, I'm just going to paint on this person because yeah. you know, <laughs> these canvases have become boring. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That's so bad. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. She was like legitimately terrifying. She was. And and the actress always has these parts where she's like the wiser older woman. And she scared the hell out of me. You know, it's... She was styled as a gang boss, you know, where she was wearing like the black suits and and the big sunglasses. And she just think, yeah, that's... Also her hair was like white on the top, black underneath. (laughs) I was like, please let me be that stylish when I'm her age. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That hair was amazing. And the other thing that I really appreciate about this drama is it's not like they took male characters and their stories and then replaced them with women they went into the world of women and just just used their storylines and just made them the main characters. What I mean by that is the relationship that Ga Gyeong has with her mother-in-law, that, that enmity positioned in any other drama would have been such a petty household thing. Here, it's something that moves industries. And this relationship yes. can only be between two women. It's it's not going to be between a son-in-law and a father-in-law. It's just not something that they, they borrowed from the 
you know male storylines and and sort of like handed it over to women that it, these this story was built with women in mind and this relationship is one of the things that tells me that so and yeah. and i was i was actually thinking about exactly that and i was gender swapping some of these storylines in my in my head and especially that one you know if you gender swap that you've got the son in law who married his wife because he wants to marry into this family and it's a, it's a, a marriage of convenience and then the wife goes oh but i still really love you i'll divorce you and it becomes pathetic it becomes yeah. really bad but instead when you've got the <laughs> husband doing that you go Oh, that's so nice. And and that's why one of the things that makes this feel so fresh. And the same with, uh, you know, Hyun and and her, uh, her actor boyfriend. If you think of it as a guy who is taking some starlet under his wing, you just go, ooh, ugh. And instead, it's really interesting. So you can imagine it with the different genders. And, it, and you can imagine that it just would not have worked. True. And yet, even though it's like organically written with women in mind, as you both have said, but it also, I think, is quietly revolutionary almost in the way that it applies these tropes that we... I mean, clearly, the person who wrote this is a lover of K-dramas. And she is very cognizant of like the tropes and she's so good at using them that she's able to subvert them in these really subtle ways. So, you know, like... I've gushed about this endlessly already, but like it's basically a rom-com, but you're seeing that rom-com dynamic. It's between Hyun and um and Tommy. Like they have they have the weird meet cute in the car where she's like, What are you doing? And she's like, just I just like you know, it's it's like a meet cute when she when they first meet, and then they have, you know, the love triangle, but the love triangle is with like their mentor. <laughs> and it's it's not it the the male like the romantic relationships in their life are like side plots. They don't come into all that tropiness and so those relationships kind of just develop on their own time. They don't have anything to do with the 16 episode rom-com structure of the relationship which is like very interestingly used instead, you know, on their on their friendship and I love it. And isn't that a moment yeah. when that little moped comes scooting past at the beginning and, and uh, Hyun's character protects Ga Kyung's character? That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that moment. There's the part where, like, um, Hyun gets really drunk and Tommy, like, takes her home and puts her in bed. And <laughs> just like, a knee. <laughs> It's great. It's all great. And she's like, how can you be talking about another woman when you're lying <laughs> on my bed? <laughs> oh, that's right. It's great. Everything. But there was also something about uh, Chaeyoung's reaction to Ga Gyeong that was very... Like, initially, when we saw that, it was almost like, wait, does she have feelings for Ga Gyeong? Because you could really spin that storyline as Chaeyoung having a crush on Ga Gyeong. But... That's that's not the direction they chose to go. Fair enough, but this this is also something that is very believable. I've had seniors that I've had. I've been. I have admired so much that I was like devoted to them. I can I can empathize with this. This is something I'm familiar with. If they paid me attention, I would literally blush. That this relationship exists and that is being represented is just amazing. Yeah. And then, like, the disappointment when someone that you looked up to so much ends up not living up to those extremely high expectations you had for them is, like, so crushing. And they also do such a good job of showing that, you know, like, for example, when Tami tells uh, Mogan after, I think, I don't remember exactly which time it was that Ga Gyeong 
betrayed her, but maybe after the press conference, she's like, I don't think that we're friends anymore. And she's like so heartbroken over it. And I was like, yes, like this is how you feel when you break up with your mm. friends. It's heartbreaking. And, and like, it doesn't matter if you're an adult woman, like it's, it's hard. And we don't really usually get to see that in dramas. It's always about like, oh, he broke my heart. My life is over. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting to me that they never really resolved that between Tami and Gagyong. I mean, they at the end of the uh, drama, they were on the same side. And I loved their car ride into the sunset. But yes. um, it, it, that relationship is likely never going to go back to what Tammy remembers of her relationship with Gagyong for the 10 years that they worked together. That ending was so final and the drama never walked back on it. Mm. And I and I think you're right, and it it stays like that when when Tammy says to Hyun, um, well, the the Gagyong that I know is not the one that you know, because she's seen another side of her, and she's not going to come back from that. You know, she's, yeah. there's always going to be a distrust, and I could suggest that that would be a fair distrust as well, right? Yeah, because she is quite reason. morally grey all the way through, and so. Maybe you could argue that Tammy actually sees her much more clearly. She knows what she's like and what she's capable of doing and what she's willing to do to take somebody down. And so that that trust is broken and can't be repaired. Yeah. I think that that kind of clear-sightedness is necessary, especially with the kind of dynamic they have where they both, they end up helping each other in their careers and for the, you know, just uh, because they work in the same industry. They cannot be friends anymore. But do you think the reason Gagyong distanced, distanced herself from Tammy is because Tammy became too much of a voice of conscience and Gagyong already had enough stresses, whereas um, Chahyun's idealistic view of her, where she never questioned her sunbae, she never called her out on anything, that, that, that the way she saw her sunbae as still the one who was 19 years old and who took care of her when her arm was broken. Do you think Gagyong gravitated towards that because that was that was less of a burden and, and that was what was keeping her connected to any semblance of goodness in her? Anya? <laughs> I think it's hard if, you know, somebody is continuously pointing out what you've been doing wrong and is corrected doing so. You know, that's basically what's happening between Tammy and, and Gagyong. You know, Tammy says she shouldn't have done that. And I think deep down inside, Gagyong knows that if she had been a better person, she probably wouldn't have done it. And, you know, who wants to be confronted with that all the time? It's much, it's much nicer to be, you know, to meet up with somebody who says, oh my God, you're great. Um, than with somebody yeah. who says... Gagyong is very proud too. Yeah. You know, that, that some of that hero worship is very satisfying. Of course it is much more satisfying than somebody who is forever trying to correct you and forever saying, well, are you sure you want to do this? That's a really good point. And Parma, you were also asking in the notes if you think that that's the reason that she ends up putting that banner up, you know, like close to the end of the drama when they're trying to convince Kagyang to actually put up that banner in support of um, Baro, I mean, or with Baro against government surveillance and tracking of of um, search engines and it's I think it's cool that we never really find out why she did it because she says like I didn't do it until I knew I would be able to leave with uh, you know without regrets 
but she still doesn't say why. And so you don't know if it's because Hyun believed in her, like Ken thinks, or if it's because she genuinely had a change of heart or because she just wants to like be free of this whole thing and start her life over. Like, and I think that's part of the brilliance of Ga Gyeong's character in that they allow her to be gray and they allow her yeah. to be great all the way through. Like, she doesn't need... I mean, I guess you could say that they do slightly redeem her, but they don't need to her to become, like, this completely changed person by the end. And Tami and Hyun don't need her to do that either in order for them to, like, be able to, like, team up with her and be friends with her. And, like you said, Tami is never going to trust her in the same way again. But with that knowledge, they're still able to, you know, be on the same side, quote-unquote. So I like that a lot. I absolutely loved it. And I thought that if they had just said, oh, does she does she want to be the good person or the bad person? You know, is she going to go on one side or the other? I think that, that would have been too easy. Yeah. And so when in the end, when she walks out and says, she should have paid me alimony. I just <laughs> loved the way <laughs> That was great. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, it's so delightfully petty. It is. And it is so funny. And... And I think that she is the kind of person who would not have stuck her neck out unless she knew that she had something to protect herself. And, you know, she wasn't going to go be openly idealistic. She's going to be idealistic if she knows that she can take her mother-in-law down and she's got proof to back it up and she's going to look good in front of her friends. I mean, this was a win all round and that grayness in in her, I just found it. I found it delicious. Yeah. I really, really liked it. Yeah. And the character consistency in all three of them, it's like throughout the drama, you never, like no one ever acts in a way where you're like, oh, why would that character ever do that? Except maybe like the pianist first love that was weird. But everyone yeah, else, yeah. you know, like Tammy, like you said, Gagyang would never stick her neck out, but Tammy would. She like jumps first and then she thinks about it later, you know, like, and then Hyun you have is totally idealistic and she stays like that despite she, everything throughout yeah, the whole drama. Just, Hyun just jumps in and brings a baseball bat. You know, that's what, what <laughs> she is. I love her so much. I do too. I, I really hope that Lee Dae gets some kind of some type of recognition because she's so good in this. Ah, she she's been having a good two years now. Finally, after eighteen years, she's been eighteen years in this industry. How oh is this God. possible? That's insane. I read somewhere that one of the reasons she wasn't cast as yeah, cast in more roles is because of her height and because she couldn't be partnered with men because mostly they were shorter than her, and mm. that is just Ugh. so much rubbish. <sighs> and I think it's, yeah. it's the other. It's one of the other things that I really loved about this drama is that it's just giving these other parts. You know, she isn't. She doesn't become the love interest or the mother, heaven forbid, at their age. But you know, she's just a woman doing a job and being, you know, a career woman, and that's cool. And there are such awesome acting parts for for everybody involved. And I, yeah, I loved her. I mean, and she's she's basically, in a way, all of us because she she is this total wish fulfillment for all of us, right? Because she's yeah. loving this drama, so she's watching dramas, is to- totally obsessed. With <laughs> and then, okay, I'm not saying that violence is a good thing, but you know, somebody somebody touches her up on the elevator, and she just beats him up. You know, don't we all want to do that sometimes? <laughs> and so, and, and she, she, you know. 
when her friend said, hey, come around and let's, you know, wreck this car, she just goes and turns up with these baseball bats. And it's it's just such total wish fulfillment for for so many women who just sit there going, oh, my God, if only I had a baseball bat for, like, large chunks of our life and <laughs> and it's great and I think that's why everybody loves her so much as well yeah her emotions are so pure and she just goes with them like she's not embarrassed of the way she feels and she doesn't like hold back she is so she just like puts her whole heart out there and it's it is it's really cathartic to see a character like that because most of us are not able to do that in real life no True. because we don't want to end up with uh, a criminal it's a record risk. for assault yeah, that too. <laughs> that, but even just like her emotional, like the way that she just engages her heart 100%. Yeah. Not everyone is willing to do that because it's a big risk. I was thinking initially when we were shown Tami's relationship with uh, Ka Kyung and how, you know, it had soured towards the end because she was always holding up a mirror to Ka Kyung. And then, you know, she had to leave Unicorn and go to Baro. And then you had a similar dynamic start cropping up between uh, Cha Hyun and Tami. I think that was supposed to be sort of like juxtaposed so that we saw how Ga Kyung wasn't taking Tami's advice and the relationship had sh- soured, whereas Tami was willing to take Cha Hyun's objections, rethink her stance where necessary and not back down when she was really sure about her decisions. But even though the relationships might seem similar, I think one of the reasons Chahyun and Tami's relationship was probably different from Kagyong, aside from, of course, Kagyong having an evil mother-in-law from hell constantly breathing down her neck, um, is is that they they are more um, they had more camaraderie. Chahyun and, and Tami. This was not a Sanbehubi relationship, whereas the one that Kagyong had with um, Tami was a bit like that. Am I making sense? Yeah. No. Even though they're not the same age, but they're kind of equals at work. So it, it works more that way, that they're equals. Even though Tommy is technically the team leader. So there is that element of Tommy making decisions as a leader and Hyun being like, wait a minute, like I'm not okay with this. You need to think about this again. Yeah, there, there is that. But at the end of the drama, these two end up becoming friends inside and outside office. And it's you can see that they are equals in the way they treat each other, even though there is an age difference. Mm. But yeah, just I'm not sure where I was going with that. I just wanted to point it out. No, it's like an it's a one of the ways in which the structure of the drama really works well. Like there's a lot of structural elements that are there when you start looking, and I think yeah. Anya mentioned this in our notes too. Like structurally, the drama is so well planned, and yet. It feels organic. And yet when you look at, you know, the sequence of events and when things happen and how sort of, Anya, you were saying this, that, you know, every every relationship kind of starts and, and, and progresses at a different rate. And so you're seeing people in different stages of their romance and you're seeing them in different stages of their career and like everything works really well. And and every episode has a good mix of like. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was a really good point. I, Anya, you want to you want to sp- uh, tell us like the point that you wrote down? Just Just tell us that. Yeah, no, I I totally loved how the relationships are structured. Um, so many dramas, you know, they all 
meet their love interest in episode one. And then, you know, by episode 12, it's all gone horribly wrong for everybody, including the viewer. And we're all miserable. And this drama doesn't, <laughs> this drama doesn't do that. So you start with Gag Young cheating on her husband with the actor at the beginning and Tammy and Morgan meet and have their one night stands. And Chayon doesn't actually have her meet cute with the actor until episode seven. So, so her kind of love interest arc doesn't start until ep seven. And whereas Tammy and Morgan are by that point in much more steady state of their relationship. So by having those relationships out of sync in every episode, somebody is having a great time in their relationship and somebody is having a terrible time. And so you see that Cha Yons and the actors really cute romance is just this little booster rocket for the end for the last for the final few episodes Mm. and even though you know tammy and morgan are going through all this tough stuff you have them being cute and it is it is so refreshing that even though there might only be like five minutes of cute in like an hour of much more serious stuff it's it really just lifts the whole thing and i think it's it's very very cleverly done very cleverly done it was great yeah they they measured out the different romances so that we had a bit of happiness amidst misery and that was yeah very clever i just i just imagined the writers meeting with um E.J. Wook's managing company, you know, the guy who plays the actor and says, okay, look, trust us, you won't have anything to do until ep seven, but then everybody's <laughs> going to go, go do lally over you. So it will be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so uh, I just get like CB slapped in the first six episodes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and kimchi slapped. <laughs> Kim, I thought it was seaweed, no? It was, it was kimchi? seaweed. Oh, I think I he, was, he only oh, gets, okay. yeah. The kimchi slap is... It's famous, <laughs> justifiably, but it's not in this drama. Because <laughs> you remember when they're at that restaurant when before he goes to the army and she like sees the seaweed and she's like, <laughs> oh yeah, she starts crying. Oh, yeah. that, that's another thing. Ida uh, is like the sole woman on earth who can cry and not annoy me. A woman or man. I get so annoyed by people crying and she cries like a baby and I'm like, ah, oh, what can I do? To yeah, usually when it's a grown woman crying like a baby, you're like, okay. <laughs> oh, and then he's and then and then he's like, oh, Jimal Gora, and he's like, wait, that's Saga speak. Even though okay. that scene, you know, she is crying, and then they're re-showing that slap with that theme music of "What's Wrong with My Mother-in-Law," and I'm just yeah. laughing my head off, and I'm like, oh no, oh, this is supposed to be serious. Oh, ha ha ha, Kiwi, Kiwi slap. So, yeah, I mean, I think we were supposed to laugh too. It was a great. We are. I mean, this. Yeah. This drama does such a good job with its tone. Like it has so many tones and it never really feels off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got such great, the meta in the drama is just amazing. And I think yeah. both TVN and the writer did a great job of it. Um, you know that they re- released that YouTube thing, which is just the scenes from What's Wrong With My Mother-in-Law. Have oh, I have not seen that. Yeah. Oh, seen you should that. watch it. It's hilarious. So it's just that and with some very funny commentary and then there's the bit where you know he says this got me my baby because i'm sterile and then <laughs> what they've got in the bottom is they've got this comment saying oh no he's a seedless watermelon <laughs> oh no <laughs> which is very funny and then in the next episode after they release that 
there is actually this this clip, uh, there's actually this bit of Tammy and Morgan at Tammy's place eating a watermelon. And yeah. it's just such a, you know, this little uh, in joke, this little Easter egg for just anybody nice. who's been watching this YouTube stuff. It's very, very that's good. That's great. We have to link oh that in the God. show notes for this episode. That's great. Thank you that for sharing that. That is so smart. <laughs> Um, I don't, was it you, Anya, who said that the writer for this drama has been also working for another famous uh, drama writer? Yeah, so she was uh, Kim Eun Sok's assistant writer. I don't know how long for, I don't know for how many dramas, <laughs> but she definitely worked with her. And as I have some problems with her dramas, you know, uh, mainly yeah. about how she always cuts the female character story arc because she loves her male characters or her male actors so much that she gives them more screen time. Mm -hmm. And I just have this image of the woman who wrote this. Um, now I have to look up her name. Um, just working with her and going, oh no, she's done it again. She's cut through, she's cut off the female storyline again. And the first time I'm going to write my own drama. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, just have it be women. Um, so yeah, Quang yeah, this is basically the anti Kim and Sook. This this drama is is totally the opposite. Just uh, for our audiences, uh, Kim Yun Sook is the writer who uh, was behind Mr. Sunshine, Goblin, Descendants of the Sun, uh, and more dramas, but I can't remember the names. Did she write many, Secret many more? Garden? Yeah, Secret Garden, City Hall. Yeah, yeah, Secret Garden. Lovers in Paris, lovers, lovers in Prague. There's a lot of them. Well, I have to. I have to admit that City Hall is the only one of her dramas that I really liked, and all the yes. other ones have got issues. City Hall was my number one top drama for many years, yeah. and I still really love it. Yeah, and she actually came out and said, "I'm never going to write a drama like that again." Oh, really? But, but she can. But she can. You know, write whatever she wants. She she's got a huge. Yeah. She gets huge audiences. So that's so, disappointing. But yeah. But the funny thing is that if you look at the cast list of WWW, it's exactly 50% men and women. So yeah. even though it feels like a very female-centric drama, and, and okay, there's probably the women probably get more screen time, but there are still as many speaking parts for men as there are for, for women in this. And I think yeah, but just that just tells you how usually, even with dramas where there are fairly quite a number of, of female uh, actors cast, it still feels male heavy because they have the main focus of the story. They are the main focus of the story. So this is this has been subverted. And yeah. so, so yeah, this is how the other side feels. <laughs> so a friend of mine whose daughter is an actress, she told me that on average, and, and this is not in Korea, this is here in the UK, but in average there are three speaking parts for men versus one for a woman in the average TV drama. And, you know, it's 50-50 in a population at large. Um, so, yeah, I think so those deaths in America are probably worse. Um, yeah, so that's... So although I think so TV used is better that, than film. Yeah, and so we're so used to that 3 to 1, 5 to 1 ratio on our screen that when it's 50-50, it actually feels as if there are a lot of women in, in the drama, but it's actually really quite equal in terms of mm. actors, in terms of parts. Yeah. Can we talk yeah. about... So, I mean, we've been talking about the romantic relationships. I wanted to kind of segue into cinematography for a second, but via via the romantic relationships, because I was, I think I was complaining a lot in the beginning part of the drama about how it feels like Tammy and Morgan are in like a different, they're in a different drama because whenever they see each other, there's like these 
halos around their heads. And you had like this weird light that looks like someone's Instagram filter and how it's like really over the top. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I still think that it was too over the top, but like by the end, I mean, I think that the cinematography was beautiful in every other way. Um, It's just a little bit self-indulgent, but I really loved that scene near the end after um, Tammy and Morgan break up and you just see them going through their daily lives in split screen. And it's such a beautiful way of just, you know, there's that scene early on where she goes to see him when he's fishing and she's like, when are you going to tell me how you feel about me? And he was like, once you become part of my daily life or once I become part of your daily life, I don't remember which one it was. And then you just see them like going through their daily lives and missing each other so much because they had Aww. become part of each other's daily life. And I was just like, uh, like that relationship was very cerebral for me. Like I didn't emotionally feel very engaged with it. I was more like in my head, I was like, oh, this is really well written and realistic because a lot of couples go through this. But that sequence had me feeling some emotions. I was like, oh, this is beautiful and sad and gorgeously filmed. And the yeah. music, oh, just their theme song is beautiful. It's, it's the same for me. I didn't feel that relationship until that point. I mean, I, I found it interesting, but I didn't, I wasn't emotionally attached to it. And then that scene, because... This is what it's like when you actually split up with somebody. You know, you think about them, but you still you still have to go to work because you still have your credit card to pay off. And you try to make the best of, of your day and you still meet up with friends and you still laugh about stuff, but you think about the other person all the time. And it just it suddenly just felt really real, their relationship, in a way that it hadn't done for me before. Yeah. And how do you feel about where they ended up, like them getting back together at the end. I'm really curious what you both think about that. So I I liked it. Um, I liked that neither one of them gave in, in a way. Neither one really changed their minds on the big issue, but at the end they decided to give each other tomorrow, right? And at one point he had said, oh, who can, who can say what we're going to be like in like a decade, you know, whatever, but at least I want to feel that you're still going to be here for me tomorrow. And I thought that they got that, you know, they got tomorrow. Um, the thing is that um, I've, I've kind of been there. I've been the person who did not want to get married and uh, I did not want to have kids and my partner at the time did. And after like a decade, we split up because for that reason. So I give them a decade, <laughs> which is probably okay by K-drama standards. Um, mm. But I, I, I thought that that was very real because it is such a um, an issue that, that you're not going to change your mind on. And also, I think that there is something very interesting about the fact that he wants to be with her even though he knows full well that maybe at some point she'll abandon him. And so, you know, if you want to be psychotherapist about that, he clearly wants to be with a woman like that, even though that's what happened to him with his mother as well. Yeah. And and this is his choice. You know, he's, he's a grown-up. He can be with whoever he wants to be with, and he has decided that this is who he wants to be with, and she's decided that she wants to be 
with him and this hasn't been resolved and that's okay that's that felt yeah. very real and life she even yeah they acknowledge that they might break up again for the same reason but they're like okay it's okay we're okay with that so yeah. they it's not like they don't acknowledge that possibility in the future yeah so the same with me i love the ending um but i want to point out something that the writer chose to have park morgan explain why he wants marriage and children we are shown his backstory we are given a glimpse into his psychology to understand why he wants marriage and children we are never it's never explained to us why tammy does not want marriage and children she just doesn't it doesn't require further explanation it has nothing to do with her back story it's got nothing to do with her parents or childhood trauma or other horrible experiences of love nothing she just doesn't want it period no explanation necessary i love that i it was just so subtly done but i loved it yeah i did miss that she didn't have any like family relationships mm because i thought that was a weird choice that it i almost felt like does that mean since she has like since her career and work take up such a large portion of her life why can't she have also have family relationships we don't see but then neither the chaehyun sorry we don't see family relationships of any of them right apart from the evil mother-in-law yeah That's and, true, and but Park i think Morgan. tommy That's is it. the main character yeah i but mm. i feel like she's the main character and it's an unusual choice i'm not saying that i hate it i'm just saying it's an unusual choice not to show at least some sort of even a reference to like the main I character's think, parents or, i think you know. they did not show the family or or you know any of uh, uh, like relations of any of the characters whose family or relations weren't directly affecting their immediate life in a major way it was only gagyong and morgan whose family were having an emotional effect on them at that time mm. but both chaehyun and tammy we can assume have fairly normal relationships with their parents and that this is not at this point of time it's not something that's you know weighing on their mind or affecting mm. their life in any drastic way do you do you think it's also trying to say that once you're at a certain stage in your life your colleagues are just become more important than your family just because you, maybe not more important but you spend more time with your colleagues than with your family and therefore this becomes some kind of surrogate family almost i suppose I mean, yeah maybe yeah although it, we're not really given enough information to really make that make that inference either way but i but i get that like you know she's 38 years old she's lives alone she's very involved in her work and there is a certain freedom in like not even having to address the family dynamics of the main character the the female lead when usually even if it's regardless of what the drama is about there's always some kind of drama between like the heroine and her family like the the dad who's so in debt that she has to like pay it all back or something ridiculous like that. And I, so. I think that if if they had shown Tammy's parents and if they had said, "Oh, we really want you to get married and have babies too." I think that that would have that would have changed the balance and that True. would have made yeah. her look less it would make it harder to understand her, I think if they had done that. Yeah, where whereas if they supported her decision, that would also be kind of hard to sell given what generation her parents would probably be in and right. then they would have to spend more screen time talking about why her parents are okay with her decision not to get married you know like <laughs> it would have become a whole thing that the writer probably didn't want to deal with so i agree yeah that's a good point 
Because instead, the writer just continued to focus on the work stuff. And I, I love that as well. We see so many dramas where, you know, the CEO works only in the first eight episodes of the drama and then just wrote, runs around doing <laughs> and stuff. Then and then they're dating all the time. <laughs> and just goes on dating. And you go, oh, my God, who is running this company? I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> But they had really important work stuff to do all the way through. And yeah. I, I completely loved that. I loved that about a drama that it's that it almost showed, well, okay, they're they're dating and their dating life is falling apart, but hey, they still have to make decisions that, that alter the lives of everybody, depending yeah. on whether they yeah. vote with the government or not. And and I loved that. Yeah, it's like showing you their life their lives as whole people not it's not like a workplace drama where you only deal with the workplace dynamics and it's not a romantic drama where you only deal with like romantic relationships and it's not a family drama where like everything takes place inside the household with like the in-laws and the husband and wife and the you know all of that kind of stuff it's like here's here are these women and these people and like they have multifaceted lives and we're going to see all of them which i really appreciate it yeah. Hey, before we move on to the larger arc of the drama, which has to do with internet search engines, um, what did you guys think about the fact that the love interests in this drama, the men, they were positioned in a way that none of them were in a position of power over the women or they were not older. In uh, two of the cases, the men were younger and uh, they were all independent and they had, they, they were, they had strong personalities. So it felt to me like the dynamic was pretty equal in all three cases. But what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> I loved I loved the scene where um, Tabby and John are both getting really drunk and they're both, you know, calling their toy boy boyfriends to come and pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that that was so funny because, again, it, it's that, you know, that, that kind of gender swap thing. I, that that made me laugh. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> but I think you're right. If there had been more of a power imbalance, it would have become uncomfortable. And the fact that they are that everybody is independent and everybody's got a job and they're all, you know, successful in their chosen careers makes whatever there is in terms of age difference much easier to watch. Yeah, you know, I remember we were having this discussion. I think it was on one of the yaks where we were talking about how. I think, Paroma, you were talking about how much you love Nuna romances, and I was saying that mm -hmm. I love them with brother reservations because I feel like a lot of times the quote-unquote power that she has by being older than him is undercut by the fact that, like, like, the woman will be older, but he'll be her boss, or... The woman will be older, but like she owes him money, or like there's some, there's always some way in which the whatever slight bit of authority she has over him by being his senior in life is taken over by the fact that he has, you know, other than just like the general power imbalance between men and women, like he has some kind of thing that he's holding over her head, and I just don't like or, that. Anisa, or the woman would be older, or the man can read her mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh or, my god or the woman is older and she is so stuck in her old ways that she needs this like really perky young guy to come and and change her life i hate that teach her yeah. how to live again yeah, teach yeah. Her oh my god to live again. i hate that so much and so that oh and the other thing is sorry go ahead no so the fact that this drama doesn't do any of these things i really love i think it's great <laughs> 
Yeah, and the other thing that these Nuno romances always 98% of the time do is the once the cut, like, she spends this whole time being like, no, no, I'm too old for you, whatever. And usually it's the younger guy pursuing the older woman. And then once they get together, suddenly everyone in her life is like, what are you doing with this young guy? And then they're like, oh my God, she's too old. For-. So like, then she spends like the second half of the drama, like just being humiliated and like put down. And then she has to hear all this crap from like everyone in her life. And especially like the people in his life. And I'm just like, I don't enjoy this. Don't enjoy it. No. But there was none of that in this. We didn't get anyone being like, ooh, that's an age difference. Don't you think, you know, judgy A, B, and C, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It was just a thing. Like, nobody commented on it. Nobody, it, they were just like, oh, you're together now. Okay, that's cool. Oh, you broke <laughs> up. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, true. Before we move on from the relationships, can I just say that um, as cute as Hyun and Jihwan were, they were adorable. They made me so happy. They were sugary. Um, <laughs> Jinu and Gagyang had my entire oh. heart. I was rooting for oh them so God. hard. There's this one scene where, like, their divorce news breaks, and he, like, runs out of the building with her, and then they have to, like, hide because the reporters come, and, he's, and they're, like, hiding in this little corner. And she's like, it's almost like we're having an affair. And he's like, but we're not having an affair because you don't love me. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> my heart. <laughs> I yes. love them so much. They were fantastic. You, yeah, I mean, you were saying that you don't want a season two, but, like, I solely want it just for them. Or we could just have a spin-off <laughs> drama <laughs> about how he gets his claws of his toxic family out of him and they finally get to be together. I love the bit where she says that she wants to get a divorce and he said, does she want to get have a divorce does it have anything to do with me and she goes no you're okay and he goes like oh god okay I'll divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute yeah he's just happy that he's not the reason that she wants a divorce I just love how honest they are with each other and despite the it's it's almost as if Gagyong for 10 years hasn't quite trusted him or has deliberately kept herself distant from him because she knew that he couldn't help her and she didn't want to resent him for it but at the end of the day, when he started to come through for her, she realized that she does have feelings for him. And it's just, oh man, yeah. it's. I just it's love how much weight story. and tension and history their relationship had. Like, out of the three, it feels the most substantial and, like, life-changing. And, and it's also, I kind of love the little detail that it's like, you know, um, the marriage of convenience rom-com, but like how it would probably <laughs> actually play out in real life where <laughs> the girl, the woman would just be miserable. Like both of them would just end up being miserable. And like, even if they did end up falling in love, real life would still be the same and it would be a problem. And that initial dynamic of them getting married under really shady circumstances would mean that their relationship would probably never be okay. I just love that. The other, no. the other thing I thought, and it's not based on anything other than the fact that I just love these two, but was that I wondered whether she wouldn't want to love her husband because that would really give her mother-in-law more power again. Yeah. And it isn't mm. that she can actually be herself with him until after they've got divorced and she's cut, she's got that connection. You know, if 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 they were a really close couple, that would just be another weapon. Yeah. No, I think that's totally totally legit. Because he even asks her one time, like, 
I think it's after he sends gifts to her parents and she's like, you don't need to do that. And he's like, am I just another in-law to you? And she never answers the question. But you can see that like, it's so painful because she just treats him the same way that she does the rest of the family. Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't let him get close. So I think that's a totally valid reading. Yeah. Also, they are totally dating now, right? I mean, she had to disappear for a few months, but then she came back and did that whole Grand Slam thing. But now she's free. She can date him. She's totally dating him, right? <laughs> I love that that was the assumption. And then the the top of the car top down goes down. And it's actually the other two women in the Maserati. Also, like, best product placement ever. Um, and then they, like, drive off into the sunset. And it's like, you get... I don't know, somehow you get the satisfaction of, like, their relationship because I think it's either Hyun or Tammy who says, like, Jinu told us that we should show up in this car. So, like, clearly that isn't over and she appreciates that. But also, like, yeah. he's not the one who came to rescue her at the end and it's her two friends, which is amazing. I loved it. Yes, I loved it so much. And, and as you said, I love the fact that he is clearly still in touch with her friends, right? They're still in touch. Yes. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said the thing about the car. I loved it. Yeah. Totally. He's still in our life. They're dating. I've decided. <laughs> There's nothing more to say about that. <laughs> okay, so I think we have squeed enough uh, about the relationships. And uh, now the only thing left to discuss is the main plot of the drama. Uh, which was search engine manipulation and should search engine companies get to do that? Like keyword manipulation should they, well, they shouldn't clearly, but also <laughs> that um, what stops them from doing it, the ethics of it. it. It does bother me a bit that the implication was that it's completely self-regulated, that they set their own ethics, that that if Brian or um, if Gagyong, like once she becomes a CEO, but, the CEO of either of these companies, if they had flawed ethics, then the whole structure would fall and democracy be doomed. So, um, and that is a bit scary. Yeah, that but, was like an unexplored part of it that they just kind of let go by the wayside. That was kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it all depends on um, uh, who leads these companies. So, okay. Then. Clearly it's working great in real life. Just saying, yeah. Facebook. Totally. <laughs> uh, Anya, you uh, were talking about a, uh, an interesting article that you found. Yeah, so I, I read this article over on um, Soulbeat, uh, written by Remy, amongst others. And it's basically ch- talking about Naver changing keywords. Um, and I have to admit, this is one of the other reasons that I love this drama so much, because I think I would not have appreciated what the impact was of changing keywords if I hadn't watched this. Um, I mean, the impact of of giving my data to the government, I completely understand, but the keyword search thing, I had not. And um, to read to this article about how they are changing keywords, uh, especially during the whole Burning Sun scandal, uh, to keep YG's name out of it and and to actually, in effect, throw some individuals under the bus and protect the company. Um, you could argue partially because they actually owned a large stake in the company, so there was some huge conflicts of interest here. I thought it was very interesting, and it, it's pointing again at, at this drama really using things that are important in real life um, and showing you how easily it can be done. And the fact that Naver has actually got a female CEO is making the whole thing 
even more interesting and and more meta and made me think that you know this writer clearly knows what she's writing yeah yeah so I did not know that that's really interesting mm, so yeah I found it I found it fascinating and I think that you know a drama is great if it makes you look at the world in a different way and I was I probably would have just skim read this article otherwise and now I thought ah okay so this is what they've been doing and the drama has helped me understand um, the repercussions of the things that that are actually going on in real life um, so yeah so changing changing the order of, of uh, articles coming up making sure that articles don't show up on their main page um, they've been man- manipulating all of that and um, not good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, particularly that, like, in the age where anything can spread on the internet within like seconds, this TV, this story broke through a TV news program, like this Burning Sun story. So I wonder if it might have come out online first if it hadn't been for this kind of manipulation, purely speculation I, on my part. But it's interesting to note that while the drama ends. On a happy note, um, the fact of the matter is that it also makes it very clear that the ha- the happy ending is completely conditional on the uh, morality of the people heading search engine companies. So if we come back to real life and think about the morality of these people, mm. can you... Can we be absolutely sure that the real world has the same happy ending, that the morality of these people are in the right place? Um, so, hey, I mean, I, I don't know if the writer intended uh, that, but she kept the story simple. And this seems like a natural extrapolation. Mm. Oh, and I, I have to say, because I haven't said this yet, how much I loved Brian. I thought he was amazing. Oh, yeah. And also, yes. I want to add that in real life, I have never, ever had a boss as awesome as Brian. So, you know, <laughs> if you wonder whether in real life the outcome of of this would have been the same, I'm, I'm guessing not because it's nah. all down to the morals well, of two individuals, which is, which is a scary thing, really, right? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, in a, in a way, that's true to life. And except that the people who are really in charge of these companies, such as like Google and Facebook and Naver and stuff, they do not have Brian's moral code or his, you know, but I think this drama is aspirational in so many ways. Like it's aspirational about the relationships. It's aspirational about like the office dynamic. So, I mean, I, I think this is just another way in which it's like showing you maybe how things should be in a way but it's but it's in a way that's making you think about how things are and like how much of a gap there is between between what's happening and what should be happening so maybe that, ah, that was the writer's intention the fantasy tag finally makes sense <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah yeah it's not it's not dating some some young actor it's just having an amazing boss is the real fantasy Ethics that are strong enough to let him listen to uh, the objections of his employees. Wow, yeah, that is fantasy. But I yeah. do think that I do think that it shows how important diversity in teams is in in the mm. workplace and people with different opinions coming together and discussing things and maybe making the best yeah. decision that they can. It's it's so important rather than people who just blindly do what their bosses tell them. 
Yeah, and I mean, they clearly make that point early on when she leaves Unicon and she comes to Baro and they're like, well, we don't have that hierarchical top-down structure here. And she like has to get used to it because she's not, that's not how she started her work life. And now she's like, oh, okay, everyone's, everyone's equal. Everyone's on the same page. So that was, that was interesting. Mm. Okay. I think we have finally exhausted all topics. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Anya, final thoughts on search www? So my final thought, maybe not necessarily on search www, but on, on some of these dramas, is that I think it shows that if you have more female characters and very interesting parts, the drama just becomes much more interesting. I don't know if anybody watched My Fellow Citizens. Yes, I love that show so much. Right? And it would have been so boring if the, if the Lone Shark family had not been five sisters you know it would have been ordinary it would have been boring and the fact that those sisters were yeah evil and awesome just lifted that whole drama and i'm just hoping that this is a start for having more interesting char- female characters and less stereotypical characters and you know women don't have to play the mother or the love interest but can actually do a job whether it's being an executive in a internet company or a loan shark. I don't care, but it, it just makes dramas mm. much more interesting by telling new stories or telling stories in an interesting way. Very well said. Boroma, final thoughts? I can't follow that up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really amazing way of summing it up. I think I'm also, I think all I have to add is that I'm definitely watching this writer's next drama. I think she's a rookie drama writer. Like this is the first time she's heading her own show. Um, but I am yeah. definitely watching whatever she writes next. I think the other yes. thing I realized while watching this show is that I've talked a lot about how K-dramas are, even though they're kind of engaging in a lot of these like, kind of misogynistic patriarchal tropes they're also kind of pushing back against them because they're so female centric but i think watching this one realized made me realize like how much more and like further there is to still go and like how much progress we still need to make um yeah so i'm just grateful that this drama exists and i'm glad that it seems to be at least a modest hit so i'm hoping that means that we'll get more of these fingers crossed Fingers crossed, yeah. I just want to give a final shout out to the director as well, uh, Jung Ji-hyun. This seems to be his first drama as well. So this is like a rookie director and a rookie screenwriter. Ah, um, wow, and that's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Good for you, team. <laughs> I hope they team up again. They seem to work really well together. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for it. Next time with a little bit less lens flare, but you know, <laughs> otherwise it's Well, awesome. I mean, now that I know he's a rookie, I'm willing to forgive. I feel like it got better towards the end of the drama. <laughs> it did. I can forgive him now that I've seen that split screen breakup. I know. He, I know. he basically used up all his techniques, everything that was pent up in him and ideas that he might have had as an AD in, on other shoots. He's like, I'm going to use them all up in this one drama. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure there was a legitimate fear that he'd never get to do his own show again if this one tanked. So. Yeah, fair enough. He did an amazing yeah. job. Both of them did. So Kwon Do Yoon and Jong Ji Hyun, we'll look out for you. Yeah. Okay. And Anya, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun conversation. This was great. Thank you for inviting me. Okay. Oh, it was our pleasure. And thanks to Saya for like connecting us since she has 
the pipeline to the UK beanies. She knows everyone, honestly. Like, she's the one who introduces us to everybody. <laughs> this is true. And also, fun fact for our listeners, Anya's the only one amongst us who's actually met Saya. So, uh, she's the only one who can vouch for the fact that Saya is a real person and not, like, a figment of imagination. <laughs> so... A disembodied you know. voice. Yeah. <laughs> disembodied <laughs> British voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was great. We hope we're going to have you back again. Oh, I'd love to. This is awesome. Please come back. Okay, everyone. Bye. Bye.